You're listening to the Straight Up Saints Podcast. And what's going on, Saints fans? Welcome back inside another edition of the Straight Up Saints Podcast. If you're listening to this, it's on a Thursday. Happy Thanksgiving to those checking out the podcast on this day. Before you get ready for some Thanksgiving football between the Lions, Texans, you also have the Cowboys versus the Washington football team, which is the worst team name in the NFL. Um, And if you're listening to this on a Friday or Saturday, it doesn't matter. This content will be able to carry over because I'm going to talk about this Saints defense, the rushing attack, which is going to be crucial against the Denver Broncos this weekend, the three keys to victory, as always uh going to talk about the state of the broncos as well briefly um and also talk about the rise of this saints uh secondary which has been really impressive over the last couple of weeks but first let's talk about the man Taysom hill number seven who's probably going to get his second career start for the saints uh look Taysom played really well and i tweeted about this on wednesday night and i'll continue to reiterate this point If you go back and look at the film, and I actually treated myself to NFL Game Pass, All-22 film, you name it, I have it now, thank God, and I was going back to look at every pass that Taysom Hill threw. There was only 23 of them, so I was able to watch every one from every angle and basically break them down. I actually did a film study that you guys can check out on Patreon for $1. It's pretty cool stuff. Um, And what I noticed from Taysom that I didn't get to notice the first time was the footwork is exquisite, man. I mean... Drew Brees' footwork is probably my favorite aspect of his game, and I'm not saying that's going to become my favorite aspect of Taysom Hill's game because he's only started one game, and we're not sure what he's going to become. But I noticed that Taysom Hill has been copying Drew Brees' footwork, and that is the perfect thing to copy. If you're going to idle Drew Brees and model your game after one part of his skill set, that's the, the area to pick from, in my opinion. Because Drew Brees' ability to reset his feet, work his base, and make sure that he's not just throwing arm, he's throwing with enough emphasis and and basically putting in I don't want to use that word but enough oomph from the bottom the lower half of your body that allows you to make it a more accurate throw and I saw a couple of out routes where Taysom was doing that he had a nice throw to uh, Adam Troutman where he went through his reads reshuffled his feet and then fired at his target and that's really important because I see a lot of young quarterbacks in this league that their footwork just simply isn't that good and I know Taysom's 30 and people are going to say he's old and he's not young fine whatever you can have it if that's what you want to say But this was his first start, and I thought his footwork was really good. Another thing that I noticed, and I talked about it in my breakdown, which you either check out on Twitter, you can check out Patreon, YouTube, wherever you want to check it out. His eyes are always downfield. This is a player who obviously can run the football. I mean, we know how fast Taysom is. He ran a 4-4-40. The dude is built like the Terminator. I'm serious. Like, he looks damn good as an athlete, and he can run run the football really well, run it with the best of them. But his eyes were downfield the whole game. And that's what you want to see from your quarterback continue to scan the defense. There was a play where he took the snap. He's at the Saints 10-yard line, and he's moving up the pocket, moving up the pocket, and he moved up about seven yards in the pocket. Guess what? His eyes never left looking downfield, looking down at the secondary. What does he do? He rifles a 23-yard pass to Michael Thomas for a first down off one foot, by the way. It was a hell of a throw, probably the best throw he made all game. And I will continue to show you guys what I see in the film on a week-to-week basis now that I do have the all-22 access. So, Taysom Hill looked great. I know it was one start. We're not sure where it's going to go from here. I'll talk about this matchup for him this weekend and why I actually really like it a lot. Um, But before we do that, let's talk about the injury report because it's been a weird season for the Saints. Either they're all healthy or they're all injured. Right now, we're kind of in between. We're in limbo. Um, so I guess that's a win, I guess, right? Honestly, I'm not really sure. I mean, I'll take it as a win. It's been a long season. So let's take that as a win, everyone. (laughs) 
But seriously, no. I mean, look, if you look at the Saints team, if you take away the Drew Brees injury, and I know that sounds ridiculous to say, hey, if you take away the starting quarterback getting hurt, this is actually a team that's pretty healthy for right now. If you look at the injury report, you got Marshawn Lattimore with a full practice. That's great news. You have Dwayne Washington and Josh Hill with full practices. That's also good news for special teams. And Josh Hill was such a good run blocker. I mean, the run game goes through Josh Hill. It's like if he's not there, man, you don't really notice it until he's off the field. Once he's off the field, like, man, Josh Hill's important. When he's on the field, you kind of take him for granted. And then when he's off the field, you're like, okay, yeah, all right. We need Josh back on the field here. You know, it'd be like Drake and Josh and take away Josh. It's not that good. It's just Drake. You don't really want that. So, Obviously, you have those guys at a full practice. As for limited, you got Alvin Kamara and, and Michael Thomas. I saw a lot of Saints fans were like, oh boy, here we go again. I think this is what the Saints should do. I think they should start load managing guys like Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas, who are clearly a little banged up, but you're at week 12 already. Like, you have to. I know this sounds crazy and fans don't want to hear it. You have to think big picture here. And this Saints team needs to think big picture. They're getting to the playoffs, it's happening. So, what you need to figure out is whether or not you can somehow load manage your stars through the practice weeks to get them at 100% or as close to 100% as possible for game day. So I think if you can do limited sessions every Wednesday for Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara, I would sign up for that. I think that's a good move for the Saints, in my opinion. So I think I wouldn't really worry about that. If something changes, if Thursday or Friday something changes, because mind you, I recorded this before Thanksgiving, so you're going to listen to this on Thanksgiving Day. I will let you know on Twitter if something changes. But right now, I would not panic at all. Then you have Andrews Pete and Deontay Harris, who did not practice. So I'm going to go over it again. Josh Hill, Dwayne Washington, and Marshawn Lattimore, full practices. Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, limited practices. Andrews Pete and Deontay Harris did not practice. Deontay Harris, a neck injury. Andrews Pete, a concussion. My guess is neither one plays, but we'll see. If anyone plays, I think Harris is more likely. If Andrews Pete misses time, that means you have Nick Easton and Cesar Ruiz. And if Deontay Harris misses time... My guess would be Marquez Callaway, who's been really good in the return game. I mean, really, really good. He's not quick like Deontay quick, but he makes some really good decisions with the football. He always gets positive yards, and you love that from an undrafted rookie like him, who ironically would be filling in for another undrafted rookie. So let's flip over to the Broncos real quick and talk about their injury report. It's pretty damn long. Bryce Callahan, DeMar Donson, Graham Glasgow, Trey Marshall, they did not practice. So you have two guys in the secondary and two important offensive linemen. That's not good news. Then you have Duke Dawson, Jerry Judy, Joseph Jewell, Joseph Jones, Sylvester Williams, limited practice participants. And then you have Noah Fant, Drew Locke, Elijah Wilkinson. They practiced, but they were on the injury report. And Noah Fant and Drew Locke both are nursing rib injuries. And we know enough about rib injuries, especially when it's a name, a guy named Drew. Um, obviously, Breeze is more important than Drew Locke, but that's besides the point. The Broncos injury report is pretty loaded. I think the two guys that I would pay attention to is Glasgow, if he can't play, uh, Bryce Callahan. From what I've heard, he's had a really solid under-the-radar season, so if he cannot play, that would be kind of big. The Saints don't have to go up against a guy that came in the secondary. And DeMar Dotson, of course, any limited offensive protection against a Saints defensive line that has been amazing right now um, would not bode well for Denver. So I think those are the guys to watch. You want to watch Glasgow, Dotson, and Bryce Callahan. My, I ant- I'm anticipating that a guy like Jerry Judy plays, um, and Fant and Drew Locke should be good to go. So I wouldn't be worried about those. Now, some really good injury news, and this is not about a guy getting hurt. This is about a guy coming back from an injury. Uh, Sheldon Rankins. Sheldon Rankins. I mean, it's it's been a while, but the Saints got really good news uh, regarding big ranks. So Nick Underhill reported earlier today, uh, Sheldon Rankins has been designated to return from injured reserve. That's fantastic news. I mean, this Saints defensive line has been incredible over the last couple weeks without Rankins. So now you add Rankins back into the fold, and look, he's probably not going to get the playing time that he did before, but 
I think if you get him in limited situations where he's got a lot of juice and and he's hitting on his spin moves and his ability to get after the quarterback, hey, look, that's only a bonus. Like, it could only go up. It's not going to get worse because Sheldon Rankins is coming back. It'll only go up. Uh, so to get him back for one of the best defensive lines in football, huge plus for the Saints. I mean, I love me some Sheldon Rankins. Uh, obviously, injuries have derailed his career. If he can get somewhat back on track and boost his value before he goes to the open market, that's a win-win. I mean, it's a win for him, and that's a win for the Saints. I mean, they get another pass rusher or defensive lineman who could just wreak havoc in the backfield. They'll take that any day of the week. So I really like where this defense is trending with Rankins coming back and Lattimore full practicing. Everything is looking up for that unit. And to be honest, everything's been looking up since the Buccaneers game. Uh, so the funny thing was, if you go back, and we, you remember I said on the podcast, guys, when the Saints played the Bears, it's like, okay, here's the get-right game. Like, it has to happen here. If it doesn't happen here, it's not happening at all. And it didn't really happen. Like, the, the Saints defense didn't play bad against Chicago. It's just the Saints defense wasn't special against Chicago. So I kind of was like, all right, I don't really know if it's going to happen. Like, if it's not going to happen now, when the hell is it going to happen? We had that type of feel about the Saints defense. And then they shocked the hell out of us and then go out there and just curb stomp the Buccaneers on Sunday Night Football. And we were like, okay, well, either they have the Buccaneers number, Tom Brady stinks, or this defense is starting to come alive. It's probably all three, to be honest. So I should have left you a a choice D, all of the above right there. And then the Saints come out against the 49ers, played really well defensively, and you start to build momentum. And it's like, oh, well, let's see how they play against the Falcons who are coming off a bye week. They're They're fully rested. They have Julio. They have Ridley. They have Hurst. They have Gurley. Yeah, that didn't work. I mean, so let's be honest. The only thing the Falcons were good at last Sunday was kicking field goals. Seriously, that was the only thing they were good at. So Julio Jones, dude was dealing with an injury, so I get it. Calvin Ridley, 90 receiving yards, that's pretty good. Hayden Hurst put up a nice goose egg, um, and I actually started him in fantasy. I couldn't tell you, that was the happiest I've ever been to have a fantasy player get zero points. I was like, I will gladly take that. Uh, Todd Gurley, how'd he do? Uh, How's eight carries for 26 yards? Not very good. So the Saints did a good job there, but it wasn't just limiting playmakers. It was making big plays. Like, it's one thing to be a defense that does a good job just not bending. I mean, not breaking, excuse me, you just bend a little bit. It's another to be a dominant defense that is making game-changing plays. And that's what this Saints defense has been doing. Over the past three weeks, the Saints defense has generated seven interceptions and 13 sacks while only giving up a combined 25 points. I mean, that is an eye-popping statistic. And the fact that they had eight sacks last week against the Falcons and the way they're consistently getting interceptions is just nuts to me. Three picks against Brady, two against Nick Mullins, two against Matt Ryan. So you can't come here and tell me that this Saints defense is only picking off bad quarterbacks and be like, oh, well, they only picked off Nick Mullins. Matt Ryan's got an MVP. Tom Brady's got six Super Bowl rings. That's not, that doesn't matter to you? I mean, come on. So this defense is playing well regardless of the quarterback. This defense is playing well even when people are fully healthy. So people will say, okay, the 49ers are depleted. I agree. The 49ers have been depleted by injury. So we'll put that to the side. The Falcons were fully healthy. And the Buccaneers were fully healthy. And guess who the Buccaneers had on their team for the first time that year? Antonio freaking Brown. So don't tell me that this defense is getting lucky breaks. They are playing teams at full strength. And while we're at it, let's just throw the cherry on top here about how good this defense has been playing. They kept the Falcons out of the end zone without Marshawn Lattimore. Do you know how impressive that is? The Falcons didn't have to worry about number 23 draped all over Julio Jones' back. And they still couldn't get in the end zone. Like, that is nuts. And mind you, they were doing it against a a team that was playing a quarterback who was making his first NFL start. This Saints defense is really becoming a strong suit. And you always want to be an ascending team. I don't know how many times Drew Brees has said it in in an interview, but he always says you want to be an ascending team going into the playoffs. 
So it's five weeks left until this regular season's over with. I mean, this season is flow, it's just flying by, guys. This Saints defense is ascending. So they've played really well for three games, but you can make an argument that either they haven't hit their ceiling, this might be their ceiling, which is nuts, like that's still a great ceiling, and then you could also make an argument that this is something that's going to be sustained going into the playoffs. And if that's the case, the Saints will not lose. Now, I know they have bad history. And I'm not going to get into the playoffs right now. Like, I'm not, I don't want to look too far down the road. But when the Saints defense plays like this, tell me who's going to beat them. At least in the NFC, who's going to beat them. The Buccaneers look fraudulent right now. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers look fraudulent right now. The Seahawks are literally the Seattle Russell Wilsons. The Arizona Cardinals are the same way. They're the Arizona Kyler Murrays. Like, the, those two teams literally need their quarterback to make a play every game, every day. The Packers are very Aaron Rodgers reliant, but they're also a team that's not physical. I, I know the Packers beat the Saints, but if they meet again, I feel pretty good that the Saints would beat the Packers. Like, I honestly feel that way. The one team that I think is pretty balanced and they play well against the Saints, so I think it'd be interesting, is the Rams. No, I don't want to see that happen again. I don't need PTSD, but that's a team to watch out for. But either way, this defense is ascending, guys. Sorry to get off topic here, but this defense really is ascending. And if they continue like this, this is the type of play that you get that results in a Lombardi trophy. I know we've seen the defense play really well the last couple of years and much improved from what we used to see with Rob Ryan and Steve Spagnolo and all those boys. But this, this is what I envisioned. Before the start of the season, remember what we all said. We said, can you imagine if Drew Brees and this offense don't have to worry about constantly putting up 30 points? They don't got to do that anymore. I mean, if they put up 24, they're in good shape. They literally put up 24 last week, and they're in good shape. So that's how good this defensive plan. Really proud of those boys, and, and we'll see if they can keep it up against a Denver Broncos team that I am very skeptical of. And I'm not going to say this is – there is no easy win in football. There is none. And I don't even know if the Saints are going to win this week because Denver, it gets weird. It gets cold. It gets snowy. The altitude's different. So Denver's a weird freaking place. I mean, Miami was, you know – just killing people left and right, and then they lost last week in Denver. So Denver's a weird spot. But what I've seen from Denver, which for me I think bodes well for the Saints, is you have a defense that's surging and an offense that is really, really struggling. So after scoring 31 points on November 1st against the Chargers, the Broncos' offense has really not been good. They had 27 against the Falcons, but anyone who watched that game saw it was all garbage time points, and let's be real, the Falcons absolutely stink in the fourth quarter. I'm not even counting those points. You're going to say I'm sounding stupid. I'm not counting those points. Because this is what the Broncos did. They had six points going into the fourth quarter against the Falcons. And then they scored 21 in garbage time. I'm not counting it. So when they played the Raiders, what they do? They had 12 points. Drew Locke was terrible. I believe he had four picks in that game. And then against the Dolphins, although they won, they only won because they weren't as bad as the Dolphins were on offense. They won 20 to 13. Like Drew Locke had 270 yards, no touchdowns, and a pick. Like that's not anything to write home about. And what I find really interesting about this matchup is, like I said, look, you have the Saints defense that's soaring, and you have the Broncos offense that's still trying to figure out what the hell they are. Like, they, they don't even know what they are. And Drew Locke, over the last couple of games, it's getting ugly, folks. He has not gone a game without an interception since, since uh, September 20th. Like, I'm stuttering over here because I'm so, like, baffled by that stat. He had one pick last week. He had four uh, four picks the week before. He went against the Falcons and Chargers. He threw a pick. Against the Chiefs and the Patriots, he had two picks each. I mean, at some point, Drew is a lock to throw a pick. I know, you guys are probably like, you got to be kidding me. But seriously, he literally is a lock to throw a pick in this game with the way he's been playing. And I think for the Saints, it's very simple here. And let's just get the key number one of this game out of the way. And this will start the three keys to victory. Make Drew Locke beat you. 
And you guys are going to say that's a mistake or he's got a big arm. Yeah, he does have a big arm. But just because you have a big arm doesn't mean that it's good. I mean, I'm pretty sure Christian Hackenberg, whatever the hell his name was, had a pretty big arm. And that kid sucked. So I think if you're the Saints, you stop the run. You stop a guy like Melvin Gordon. And you stop that rushing attack from the Broncos. And Gordon and Lindsey's a pretty good combination, if you ask me. They had a really good game. They combined for over 160 rushing yards last week. If the Saints' run defense plays the way it does, and you basically neutralize Gordon and Lindsey, all the pressure's on Drew Locke to make plays. And for the Saints, that's what you want. You want Drew Locke to have to beat you. If you lose because Gordon and Lindsey are running crazy, you didn't do your job. If you lose because Drew Locke has the game of his life, look, obviously that's not ideal, but it... it, it in some way, it's more acceptable because at least you did what you had to do. You had to get into that position. So if you're the Saints, key number one of victory, make Drew Locke beat you. The, the Broncos only had 20 points last week. 20 points against the Saints is not cutting it. If you score 20, you're probably losing against the Saints. Let's be real. And I don't even know if they score 20 if the Saints defense continues to play the way it is. So we'll see what happens there. But key one, make Drew Locke beat you. Number two, and this one I will continue to hammer home, run the Football, run it with Taysom Hill, run it with Latavius Murray, run it with Alvin Kamara, run it with Ty Montgomery for all I freaking care. Run the football. The Broncos are one of the worst run defenses in the league this year. They're giving up over 120 rush yards per game. And the only reason, the only reason they looked good against the run against the Dolphins is because the Dolphins are literally running out of running backs. Matt Breida's hurt. They just cut Jordan Howard because he can't even move anymore. And I believe Miles Gaskin's still on injured reserve. So the Dolphins have been without running backs. When they faced a good running back, what happened? They faced the Raiders two weeks ago, and Josh Jacobs ran for a crisp 112 yards and two touchdowns against them. And honestly, they didn't even give him the ball towards the end of the game because it was turning into a blowout. So he played great against them. Todd Gurley had a decent game against them. If you look at the Chargers, Justin Jackson and Tremaine Pope ran for over 150 yards combined. So the Broncos are doing this. Every week. And when it happens every week, this is no longer a minor issue. This is no longer an anomaly. It's a trend, and it's a bad trend for the Broncos. They can't stop the run. So hit hit them with Latavius Murray. Hit them with Alvin Kamara. Hit them with designed runs by Taysom Hill. Run the football. I think the Saints will run the football. And if they do, they're going to be in a really good spot. Because this Denver defense right now doesn't have a backbone when it comes to stopping the run. You can look at every single week, and you can see they just don't know how to stop the run. Every you pick out a you pick out a matchup and you will see. And if you don't believe me, and this is probably my favorite one of all time, this is my favorite Broncos stat against the run this year. They gave up 84 rushing yards to Sam Darnold. Sam's not a bad athlete, don't get me wrong, but Sam Darnold shouldn't be running for 84 yards. I mean, the only way he should be doing that is if he's on a treadmill or something. He should not be running for 84 yards against an NFL defense. That makes no sense to me. So this Denver Broncos run defense is bad. That's good for the Saints. Run the football. That's key number two. And key number three, which is actually my key last week for the Falcons game, and oh boy, did it prove to be true. Win in the trenches. Win with your defensive line. This Broncos offensive line is not very good. I'm telling you guys that from now. The Saints defensive line, while they'll probably be gassed due to the altitude, the Saints defensive line is deep. With Cam Jordan, Marcus Davenport, Trey Hendrickson, even Carl Granderson, who only had a couple of snaps against the, um, excuse me, last week against the Falcons, he had a crazy spin move, and he would have lit up Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan just decided he's going to throw a pick on that play instead. So instead of the stat, instead of the sack, I'll take the pick. It works out for us. We'll take it. Thank you, Matt Ryan. 
But Carl Granderson looks pretty good too, so maybe you rotate him in a little bit during this game. And then the up front with the defensive line, with the uh, defensive tackles, excuse me, in the interior, you know what you have in Yamada, Malcolm Brown, Shai Tuttle. If Sheldon Rankins comes back this weekend, we'll see what happens there. So you have that. And then what I really love about the Saints defense and the way they're getting pressure, with Quan Alexander now on the team, a lot has been freed off, uh, freed up from Demario Davis's plate. Excuse me. And now we're seeing Demario going after the quarterback, and it's getting ugly. It's getting really ugly. I mean, he is so ferocious. It's funny because he is such a great guy, and he comes out with the man of God saying, "I mean, I got the man of God headband somewhere on my desk right here," and he's great. Good, but good Lord, man, he knocks the soul out of some people. I mean, he is just freaking ruthless. From time to time. So if you get to Mario running up the middle, you have Cam Jordan, Marcus Davenport, Trey Hendrickson doing their thing, David Onyemata doing their thing. He's been amazing this year. If this Saints defensive line does what it did last week or even close to what it did last week, because eight sacks is hard to you know achieve again. But if you get four sacks, three sacks, three to four, let's say, the Saints are going to be in really good in really good shape, in my opinion. So those are my three keys there. Now, before I end this, I want to talk about Taysom Hill, what we should expect from this second start for number seven. So Look, I don't think he's going to... If he completes 78% of his passes again, we got to seriously talk about it. I mean, that, that was impressive. You, you want to talk about the runs, you want to talk about the deep ball, you talk about whatever you want. He completed 78% of his passes. That impresses me. So I don't know if the Saints will take as many deep shots. It, I think the weather will depend on that. Um, if it's windy as hell, I mean, Taysom's deep balls stay in the air for about a half hour. So if it's windy as hell, you got it's probably like two hours that's going to stay in the air. So we'll see what happens with that. Obviously, with the thin air, you could throw the ball a little bit further. Um, so maybe they do take a couple deep shots. You never know. What I want to see from Taysom, though, and the Saints did a good job of really waiting, and, and kudos to them. They didn't unleash him as a runner until the second half. Like, first half was all about, look, the kid could pass the ball, he can do this, he can do that, and we're going to run a prototypical offense with him. And the Saints did that, and it was fine. They had a 10-9 lead going into halftime. But when you unleash Taysom Hill, when you let him run the football, that's when he's at his best. I mean, no, everyone knows that. Um, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. So if the Saints, they want to punch the Broncos in the mouth early, I wonder if you just play loose with Taysom. Like, you just you let him be Taysom Hill. You let him run the football early, have some designed runs to the outside, have some designed runs with Michael Mike Burden in space to get some blocks. Because, man, I was looking back at the film, he had some nasty blocks near the goal line. Um, I, I think that's worth it. But if you want to establish a rhythm again with Taysom as a passer, I also have no problem with it. Look, for the Saints, if you're not trusting Sean Payton at this point, I don't know what's wrong with you. You got trust issues. I don't want to know why you have those trust issues. But Sean Payton has proven time and time again, it doesn't matter what the situation is, he's going to find a way to make it work. So I really like what the Saints have cooking there. And I think Taysom Hill will have another decent outing. Um, I think this is a chance for him to go off as a runner if the Saints want to make it that way. If the Saints want to let him run the football, He's going to run the damn football well. Again, go back to the stat. Sam Darnold had over 80 rushing yards. My prediction, Taysom Hill, over 100 rushing yards. That's my bold prediction. If the Saints unleash him, over 100 rushing yards for Taysom Hill. Last week, I said he had 22 pass attempts. He actually had 23. We'll see if my Taysom radar is on for this weekend as well. But that's going to do it for this edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast. I want to thank you guys for listening. As always, if you're listening on Thanksgiving, I hope you have a happy Thanksgiving. Hope you have a great time with your family. Enjoy some football. Um, obviously neither game really matters much for the Saints, Dallas, Washington, whatever, and then Houston, Detroit literally is irrelevant for the Saints. Um, but I hope you enjoy your football games. Hope you guys get ready for an exciting matchup between the Saints 
and the Broncos already. If you guys haven't, go to iTunes, go to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, Straight Up Saints. Uh, check out the YouTube page at Straight Up Saints as well. You can subscribe and like the videos on there. I put up my film review of Taysom and check out the Patreon page if you guys want to leave the link in the description below. Thanks again so much for listening, guys. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. Enjoy your upcoming weekend. And let's hope the Saints can extend their winning streak to an eighth straight game.